Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast i am joe marino of ndt scouting and fan rag sports joined by kyle krabs who's the founder and director of scouting at ndt scouting also with fan rag sports we are your hosts here on the draft dudes podcast it's a monday on the show and thank you for starting your week with us right here we are here to uh to preview the nfl draft prospects to watch this season in the Big 12 Conference, I am here with Kyle Krabs. Kyle, happy Monday. It is 262 days away from the 2018 NFL Draft. Man, would you put it like that? Uh, <laughs> right on the doorstep. But more importantly, Joe, we are six days away from the next episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God is right. The uh, The dragons were po- finally put into action. Spoiler alert, Joe, I know you're not a Game of Thrones viewer. Uh, there's dragons in the show. And uh, they lit some stuff on fire last night. It was great. It was glorious. Yeah, it's the, the Twitter reaction. Um, I got to ask, so does this does this Game of Thrones wrap up before the NFL season starts? Or is this, uh, yes, we have, three, we have three more episodes. Oh, so so it's I like feel a- like... Well, here's the thing, because this really uh, ground my gears this year. Uh, Game of Thrones historically has started like the second week in April. Oh. And I'm a tax day baby. My birthday is April 15th. So it was like a birthday gift every year for them to start Game of Thrones uh, in unison with my birthday. You know, I was done with my draft work. 
Uh, it was an outstanding marriage all around. And then this year they decided, you know, because they're filming in the quote unquote winter, they had to push production back a couple months so they could be filming in the winter so it'd be more authentic. So then in turn, the release doesn't come out until the middle of July. And now we're rubbing up against the uh, the start of football season. But fortunately, there's only seven episodes this year, and uh, we will be done before September hits. Yeah, short-lived season. I didn't realize that. I mean, that's awfully short. Um, well, the, the episodes, historically, they've done 10 a season, and they've each been like 53 minutes. Okay. Um, each, the, I, I think five of the seven are over 60 minutes, and the season finale is like 85 minutes okay, this year. So, so it's like a, it's a full-length feature Oh, essentially like a movie. Well, I see uh, I see the uh, the Twitter spear and you and all the excitement around the Game of Thrones. I'm not making any commitments to watching it, but um, I'm happy that everyone has this common ground that they can enjoy. It, it really is the mutual bonding <laughs> factor in America right now. It really is. Yeah, it's I, it's you got to be way off the wall to not watch the show. Just well, being completely that honest. Was, that was that was literally you saying, Joe, you're way off the wall for not watching the show. Um, that's how not I, confirming that's how I, or denying that allegation. That is how I took that. I, <laughs> I, I don't watch a lot of TV, so uh, or any TV really. Besides, well, yeah, I have it on box set. You can watch it at your leisure. Oh wow, okay. So if well, I, not I, box set, box DVD. Okay. I'm not living. In how many seasons of this are there? Uh, this is the seventh season. Okay, so it's like I'd have to watch like 70 episodes to get caught up. You and the future misses would definitely get roped in if you sat down and started speaking watch. speaking of the future misses i put a tweet out there today and i was kind of surprised by some of the uh some of the feedback i asked her i said hey look can you make prime rib this week and kyle you've had the future misses prime rib okay it's something that i have i haven't had it since you were uh down last january for the senior bowl and, and so i've been i've been obviously wanting it again i made a, a request a, a, just a straight up request for that to be made this week and i was met with a it is too heavy to be eating in summer and i i'm like what 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 does the freaking season of the year have to do with me and my ability to enjoy prime rib yeah, that's false. It's you know I I adore the future misses, but she's wrong here. <laughs> I just there's no way. So if you take that's, that a step fo- further, I mean, like, do the seasons dictate what you eat? Like chili and soup, do you eat that in September, uh, like in the fall only, or do you eat that stuff all year, or, or, or do you subscribe to the seasons dictate what you eat? No, man, I'll drink hot coffee at noon in the summertime. Yeah, you're an animal. Like, no, I it just. I have my my taste for foods I like, and I'll eat it they're when it's permi- available. They're permissible at all times of the year. Correct. Yeah, all right. There's, there's, Look at there's that. no there's no limit. I don't put myself on extra limitations. Life's hard enough as well, is. If I want someone to eat it, right? If you want a bowl of chili in June, damn it, eat a bowl of chili. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable expectation. And another perfectly reasonable expectation for the listeners at home is that we're eventually going to get to talking about the Big 12 today. Yes. <laughs> so Let's do it. Uh, yeah, we've been working through conferences. Uh, we did uh, Big 10 and ACC last week. A great conversation. Uh, we're starting this week with the Big 12 Uh Interestingly enough, uh, this is something that, Joe, uh, as we put together kind of like our watch list for this summer to really get a grasp on the senior class, not a lot of Big 12 prospects. Light. 
Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's very light. And it was late last year. Um, how many defensive prospects can we realistically hope to get out of this group? You know, it's, yeah. you, you go through some of the teams, uh, I, I'm looking at the names, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Christian, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Well, you can ask that reporter down in Texas. There's absolutely <laughs> zero chance that Texas Tech has any defensive prospects whatsoever. Uh, we might get 15 defensive guys mm, out of this entire conference. I'll take the under. I, I would take the under as well. <laughs> but um, so, you know, you, you kind of – alluded to the defense there. Let's talk about the defense. And if there is a premier defensive prospect in this conference, I think it's got to be Malik Jefferson out of Texas. I I took some time pretty quick after the 2017 draft to start looking at this class. And one of the first guys I wanted to get eyes on was Malik Jefferson. And um, right now, you know, look, I, you, you see a lot of really good raw tools and, and some good uh, athleticism and ability to flow sideline to sideline and make uh, make plays, and he's physical. But I think, you know, this year I'm really looking for him to take that next step. And, you know, if, is this guy going to be a premier linebacker prospect or is he going to be, a, you know, a good but not, not spectacular? And so I think this season will be a big year for him to take that next step. Uh, just be a little bit quicker. Process things a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, just be more comfortable in what he's doing. He's got the experience. Experience under his belt now, and uh, and uh, you know with uh, Tom Herman now leading the uh, the Longhorns, I think that this is a prospect that could be in a conference that is severely lacking defensive talent. Kind of be a guy that will be mentioned among the better names in this class come next uh, spring. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and Jefferson and these highly rated and highly regarded you know super athlete linebackers in general are always interesting to me because as athletically gifted as they are sometimes it seems like the uh, technical components you know, to open field tackling and flowing and scraping and staying in position like those things seem to elude these guys sometimes because they run on such a, a high gear and high speed uh, that they're so quick to just they want to go and Jefferson for me that's what I want to see this year from him is harness your athletic ability, but don't let it get the best of you when you have to work to get into position to make a tackle, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, just kind of keeping things here on defense, there's a couple of edge rushers here in this conference that are, are fairly interesting. Uh, one that I've uh, done a full study, full preseason study, that's on Oklahoma edge, Ogbanya Okoronku. And, um, you know, uh, he's the next the next one, right? They had like Eric Stryker there that had some good seasons, and he's kind of in that same role in that defense. Um, really twitched up dude, has a lot of flexibility to turn tight corners. Uh, he has really good, you know, nice good finesse moves where he he's not going to overpower an offensive tackle, but he does enough uh, in his – in his rush to kind of move them without really having to move them with power and create angles for him to explode through and get after the passer. Good inside move, good spin. And uh, he's got enough hand usage that I think it it does enough for him to get after the passer. Now you want to see him, a guy that doesn't have the ideal length and measurables to play on the edge at the next level. You know, you're going to see, need to see him do have more success 
uh, as an off-ball defender, particularly in coverage. One thing I notice when I watch him is that you know he 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 doesn't have a natural feel for picking up those guys in his zone. He's he's late. He doesn't naturally work into those throwing lanes and read the quarterback's eyes. So you know, looking for him to to be more of a complete player, particularly showing more off-the-ball ability and more comfort in space. Uh, but uh, you know, you like if you think if he can mature in that area and complement you know that with his ability to get after the quarterback with some of the stuff I talked about, you know, he could be an exciting player, but uh, one that, you know, he needs to kind of prove an all-around skill set this year. Yeah, the, that lack of length is always something that uh, is troublesome, to say the least. Uh, from what I have seen of Okoronwu, he's not somebody I've gotten around to, you know, a baseline film evaluation of yet at this point in the summer, and I know I'm cutting it close here, but I'm planning on getting there. Um what you mentioned about some of the pass rush arsenals without having to move guys with power, uh, it's promising because it's, it shows a capability of softening angles, right? And, and as a pass rusher, flattening, turning corners, you know, sliding inside, you know, soft angles and, and creating those on your own is really where you have to make your hay. Now, I will say... Uh, that's probably automatically going to eliminate him from some teams altogether. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are, I know there for a fact there's there's three or four teams that I have spoken to representatives to over the course of my my several years of doing football work. And uh, if you don't have baseline levels of length, you are automatically regarded as an un, a potential undrafted free agent if you slide that far. Yeah. And uh, that's that's just an unfortunate reality of uh, teams and. and Coaching staffs know what they need, quote unquote, need to have from personnel. And there are always going to be exceptions to the rule. But by and large, teams aren't going to draft based off the exception of the rule. And that's where Okoronwu um, is going to have to either really showcase some versatility that's going to make a team think that they can place him in different places and avoid that issue or really build up his appeal with what he does well, which I think is a more realistic scenario, and get a team that's okay with the baseline that he has in terms of length uh, and get them excited enough about him to invest in him next spring. You know, the only other edge defender that I I didn't uh, get to because I was talking about Okoronku was uh, Kansas edge Dorrance Armstrong, a guy that uh, John Owning, we had him on the podcast, the NFL content manager for FanRag Sports and uh, an edge specialist uh, in terms of scouting. Uh, he, he highlighted Armstrong as one of the five guys to really keep an eye on heading into the season. Had a productive season last year, and, uh, and you know John really talked about some of his twitch and flexibility and, and how he uh, can bend the edge. So uh, a guy that I haven't done a ton of work on, I've peeped him, you know, but not, not extensively. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong uh, from Kansas. If you're if you're watching, if you're looking for some some late night action to watch, and Kansas is playing Iowa State, you know, look, flip it on and, and get eyes on him because uh, you know if John Owning says he's he's worth uh, peeping, yeah, he certainly is. Yeah, and uh, John's going to have a problem with me saying this, but I still haven't. He he specifically gave me that as homework <laughs> to to go out and watch him, and I have not done it yet. Um, but. Just kind of piggybacking off of what you touched on, Joe, in terms of uh, Kansas and and them having a draft prospect and them traditionally not being a team that has a lot of draft prospects. um, There's another school in this conference in Iowa State that has uh, a wide receiver that's pretty well regarded by a lot of people in the draft sphere. And that's uh, Iowa State wide receiver Alan Lazard. Uh, I know there are a ton of folks 
who are big fans of his, um, uh, colleagues that we have, people that we've talked to, uh, he's got a pretty impressive resume. Uh, he actually chose Iowa State over Notre Dame, Nebraska, Stanford, Cal, and Iowa. He was a four-star recruit, <laughs> Alan Lazard. He's listed at 6'5", 223. He's a big-bodied yeah. guy. Uh, first team, all Big 12. Uh, was on the Bolitnikoff watch list. He was actually second team All Big 12 in 2015. Uh, went over a thousand yards last year on 69 receptions, seven touchdown catches. Uh, and when you watch him play, he knows how to use his size. And I know that's something that uh, people love the guy that's open even when he's not. And Lazard has some of that ability, he's flashed some of that ability. Uh, Nice build. He he's built like a safety, like a uh, or like a slim down tight end. But he moves really well for that size, and that contested catch ability at six five two twenty. That catch radius is present, uh, and I don't think you have to look any further than the schools that he passed over to go to Iowa State and Notre Dame, Nebraska, Stanford. The the physical ability is there. And this is one of those ones where I think it's important to note the production, but also be aware of the production and be aware of you know the atmosphere and environment that he's playing in. Because Iowa State, you know, yes, they're a Big 12 school, but their output and production and quality uh, of you know units in terms of you know, offensive and defensive in comparison to their uh, competition in the Big 12 is not very strong. So... Lazard is a team or a player that I think you watch, you look for the traits, you hope to see the production because it makes you feel better, but you also understand there's a lot of what he'll be working with at the next level that's not going to be equivalent to what he has to work with here at Iowa State. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Kyle, keeping things on the offensive side of the ball, I think there are two really high-quality offensive tackle prospects in this conference, Uh, the first one being Texas left tackle Connor Williams, who I think – uh, is the the entire package over there as a, as a, as a left tackle? Uh, did some work on him this summer and uh, love the way he moves. You know he is a mobile, physical football player. Uh, really good feet, natural ability to, to you know bend at the bend at his knees and mere pass rushers and absorb contact and he creates movement really good in space. I mean I think he's one of those guys that has a potential to be a high first round pick. Uh, the other one being uh, the Oklahoma left tackle Orlando Brown who's a big dude. I think he's like 68345 but he moves well and he's got you know he's got uh vines for arms so he's got that length size mobility. I mean obviously he crushes people in the run game uh, and he has you know he's not the mover of a Connor Williams, but the length that he has, the amount of distance that he forces rushers to go to, to get around him uh, is, is a tall, tall order. And, uh, you know, he, for a guy of his size, you know, he does have those movement skills. So really different t- types of players, but both guys that I think have a, you know, the chance to be first round picks next spring, if they were to declare both our underclassmen juniors. Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Connor Williams or Mike McGlinchey. 
Oh, that's tough, man. Um, that'd be a good piece to write. Um, are you trying to tell me something? You trying, <laughs> you trying, you trying to send me off the podcast and have something to do? Uh, gun to head. I'm going Mike McGlinchey, and that was the hardest. Yeah. That was hard. That was hard. Yeah. But I'm um, in the same boat as you. But yeah. that's that is hardly a coin toss. That's yeah. that's like you flip the coin ten times and, and hope that you get like all one shot to make you feel better about your decision. <laughs> that's uh, a, that's an interesting. Yeah, that's that was hard. That was hard. Quality yeah. football players. I think McGlinchey just maybe has a little bit more power to his game. I think so too. And, yeah, and, and for those reasons, I went there. But man, it's a couple teams are going to get franchise left tackles next year if these guys declare. Joe, do you remember what uh, what my comp was for Mike McGlinchey? Sorry, not to get us off yeah, the yeah, off Jake track Fish, on the Big Twelve. Uh, Jake Fisher. No, no, it's Jake. Jake Long. Jake, Jake Long. I meant to say Jake Long. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's on I me. Mean, yeah, that was what that yeah, was what J- I intended Jake, to say. J- Jake Long. Yeah, Jake Long, I see a lot of that in McGlinchey. And I think as we get through the draft process, not to dial in on McGlinchey here on the Big 12 show, but (laughs) uh, as we go through the draft process, you'll hear some people probably allude to they don't think McGlinchey's a good enough athlete to play on the left side. And it's Tom Foolery. Don't listen to him. He has everything you need in the left tackle. Uh, So, Joe, I I like Brown as well. Uh, I like both of those guys. but it seems like if we're looking at this conference, uh, quarterbacks. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, there's at least three notable names, if not a, a fourth. Um, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, uh, Will Greer is actually redshirt junior, which I think changes some things for me personally as far as if he plays really well, uh, will be interesting to monitor. Uh, you got Kenny Hill at TCU. Uh, there is some quarterback talent that is going to make this an entertaining conference to watch, especially because none of these teams, with the exception of Oklahoma and, and potentially West Virginia, play defense. Yeah, and I, I think you and I are both fairly high on Mason Rudolph entering the season. We, we've talked mm-hmm. about him at length uh, on other shows, but uh, you know, I really like his ability to push the ball vertically with accuracy. And, uh, um, you know, I think he works all three levels of the field really good. I, 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 I don't have, uh, you know, any glaring issues with him. I, I wish he was a little better when, when the pass rush kind of gets to him, you know, his accuracy noticeably dips, but that's pretty much true with every quarterback. But I think, you know, I, I wrote an article for fan or for NDT scouting. You should go look it up. It, I, I pretty much said that, Hey, this is a first round caliber prospect. I really like what I see from Mason Rudolph and think that he has a chance to be, you know, a first round quarterback. And, um, it, He's got it. He's got. He, he makes NFL throws to, to you know. You've been preaching about this all summer. Ain't you finding th- uh, NFL throws in the spread system? And you know, Mason Rudolph's tape is littered with that. So uh, I think he's a quality, quality, quality quarterback prospect. No, totally agree. Uh, I really like Mason. I like oh, everything from the command of the offense that he shows, his ability to make checks and, and audibles at the line of scrimmage. You see him doing that on a game by game basis. And a lot of successful plays when he makes adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Comfortable with rhythm passing. Like any quarterback, you get bodies up in his face. It's going to rattle his cage. And where he needs to change, I think, is he needs to be willing to accept and concede some of these plays. 
instead of trying to get the ball out to avoid a sack and uh, throwing into coverage. I think that's the, the big thing that, for me, his work in the pocket, I, I would like to see improve. He's a moderately, he's, he's a serviceable athlete, I would say, as far as extending plays with his legs. Um, but I really like his deep ball. His deep work is excellent. He's thrown to a guy in James Washington uh, who does excellent work separating and getting open and, and you know adjusting his speeds of his releases at the line of scrimmage to get down the field. Uh, totally agree. He, he has the look and feel of a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's going to be making a push for – you know, a top five selection for a team. I think teams are going to get lured by uh, whether it's Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. Uh, there's players that have sexier total package upside, but I think Mason's a really solid prospect who's going to get more questions than he deserves because of the offense he plays in. You know, and I, one other thing, you know, just to kind of expand a little further on Mason Rudolph is. Um, he's got the big moments, right? So when you think about his career so far, he's a redshirt freshman at Oklahoma State. Their starting quarterback goes down, you know, with two games left in the season. And, and uh, you know, Mike Gundy approaches him and says, hey, do you, do you want to play? You're going to lose your redshirt, but do you want to play? Mason Rudolph could have said no, but he, he went out there and played for his team. And he had ahead of him, he's playing like undefeated Baylor, at Oklahoma, and then if they won a game, one of those two games, they go to a bowl game. And so the first game against uh, Baylor is an overtime thriller. You know, Oklahoma State comes up short, but Mason Rudolph plays really well, especially for his first game in a, in a tough, you know, really tough situation. And then he goes to Norman and beats Oklahoma and then goes to a bowl game and beats Washington. I mean, that's, that's crazy stuff right there. And, you know, for him to kind of – come right off the bat, be thrown into the fire and, and succeed. And then, you know, what he's shown the next uh, couple seasons culminating what's with what's ahead of him in his senior season. I mean, he's, he's had a, a really, a very good uh, completion percentage, despite working the football down the field so much, you know, he, even with all the vertical throws and some of the stuff you talked about under pressure, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. I mean, I think he had less than five interceptions and over 4,000 passing yards last year. 34 attempts a game, and, and, and I just think, you know, he kind of has all those intangible things that go with the quarterback that you're looking for, very different than a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who you and I both liked a ton. He's the number two pick in the NFL draft this past year, but had none of that, right? None of those, like, uh, that that long resume, the, the Bill Parcells rules to drafting a quarterback. Trubisky doesn't really check any of those boxes where Rudolph's going to check them all. Right, and I – um I think that's a really nice job encapsulating the appeal to Rudolph. Uh, looking at some of the other quarterbacks, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, guy was Heisman finalist. Um, I think there's something there to work with. I know some people really like Baker. I know some people really dislike Baker. I think that Baker is going to give you the ability to kind of play loose. And I think his arm ability is enough where he deserves a shot to play at the next level. I think he's somebody that you target maybe early day three with no expectation on uh, looking to get him to start. And all this is obviously with the conception 
um, that there's still 14, 13, 12, 15 games, depending on how Oklahoma does this year, there's still room for improvement in Baker as well. And Dak Prescott is always going to be an, an extremely interesting case study for me because Dak was a player that going into his senior year, I thought had very little prospects um, to, of being an NFL quarterback. And then he comes out a senior year and just the passing polish that he showed and changed in one off season was phenomenal. And, and you saw him parlay that into what was a tremendous rookie season and uh, a very promising future with the Dallas Cowboys as a starter of the Dallas Cowboys. So you never know. You never know what guy that light bulb just going to go off and they're going to get it. And it's it, they're going to understand a different level of the game for whatever reason. You know, it's just everybody's on a little bit of a developmental curve and each one is unique. But Baker, as of right now, he plays a little too off script for me to really feel like you can harness that with consistency. But he makes enough things happen and he has good enough mobility and, and comfort and poise under pressure and enough arm talent that makes me say, yeah, you know, I want that guy in camp. I want to give him a shot to compete. Maybe, you know, who knows? You know, let him be the backup quarterback if he wins the job and you just never know what, what where that opportunity might take you. Yeah, he might be one of those players that is a much better game player than, than a practice player. Kyle, now one thing about Mayfield this year is he's, you know, he lost Edie Westbrook and, and Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon are gone. And, you know, but the one guy that's kind of back there is, is Mark Andrews, their tight end. And mm-hmm. know, it's not, we haven't talked about any tight ends for this conference. I, I think you've had a chance to kind of get eyes on him. What, do, what are you seeing here in Mark Andrews? Andrews is, he's a nice football player. Uh, he's pretty athletic. He's um I wouldn't put him in the same sphere as like Mike Gesecki or um he's a little better open space athlete than Fumagalli, interestingly enough, but he's more pure receiver. Uh Andrews in the open field um runs some really smooth routes, and I like that he's got good hands and he's capable of making a guy miss one-on-one. He's that kind of mismatched traditional in-line type guy, almost like a Jake Butt type of player, I think. I don't think he's as good in-line blocker as Butt was. Uh, but I really like Andrews' pro prospects. He's a junior, so he is draft eligible this year. Um, but interestingly enough, Joe, we're talking about how offensive skewed the Big 12 is. And if we're talking about skill players, uh, we talked about Lazard. Uh, we're talking about Mark Andrews, and who else do we have? We have we have James Washington. Is the yeah. really the only other like household name in this conference? And I, we've both had the chance to watch Washington. We've both had the chance to watch uh, Mason Rudolph, so we're pretty familiar with his game. Uh, he's an, a difficult one for me to peg a comparison to. Uh, but I really like what he does well. He seems to play the, the position very cerebral, understands how to set up defensive backs, and he has one of the best noses for big plays down the field of, of any receiver in the country, I think. Yeah, it, Washington and Rudolph complement each other so well. Um, you know, I think really what I like most about Washington is how he wins at the catch point, that alpha mentality uh, to go get the football, and, and you know not just you know in the – situations where he times a leap and and wins in a contested situation but you doing well to 
to use his frame to shield off those defenders and, and be able to catch the football over his shoulder or working back to the football or, or attacking it in space when, you know, Mason throws it to a spot. So I really like how they work in concert with each other. And, you know, look, I mean, the, the statistics are, are pretty damning. You know, those guys are, uh, are, are one of the best quarterback wide receiver uh, duos in the nation. And, you know, they're, they're set all, you know, they're primed to have another thousand yard season combined with double digit touchdowns and, uh, and really, you know, put up big numbers in their final season. It was kind of surprising that they both came back, but, uh, you know, it's really setting Oklahoma State up well to, you know, be a contender this year, looking at their schedule. And, you know, if they can find a way to beat Oklahoma and, and you know, they're they're going to be right in the in the mix of things for the potential playoff seeding. So, you know, Oklahoma State's a, a program that uh, with, with the guys that they got back this year, uh, you know, could be a, a team that, is in the mix, right, for the playoffs. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I can tell you who's sweating right now if they're listening to this podcast is Pittsburgh cornerbacks. <laughs> uh, listen oh. to us talk about James Washington. Jeez. Uh, Washington put those boys on blast last year. <laughs> he was – I think it was number 14, uh, that poor kid. Uh, Washington must have ran straight past him on like yeah. three different deep balls. Um but yeah, the writing is definitely on the wall, as you said, that uh, they're primed for a huge year. And there is very little in the way of competition all the way through until uh, the light, late portions of the season for Oklahoma State to really make a strong run uh, at potentially you know, getting in the college football playoff. And it'll be interesting also because the, the Big 12 actually has a uh, a championship game this year. So that's another thing to uh, keep an eye on as we go forward. And Joe, you and I, I think are definitely in agreement. Um, looking over the, um, the NDT poll uh, to talk about you know, who we had in our top 15, uh, where did you have Oklahoma state rated? I will tell you, let me uh, get my producer here to pull that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can you, tell you, I I think I had him top top eight. Um, here it is. I've got the entire spread here. I had Oklahoma at ten. You had him at ten as well. Oklahoma or Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? State? Excuse me. Yeah, you had him okay. at. We okay. we both had him exactly at ten. You had um, Oklahoma at four. Oklahoma at four. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna be your. I don't think Tom Herman's going to work any any you know, magic <laughs> tricks here to get Texas that competitive that quickly. I certainly think Texas is going to be back to being a powerhouse in the next two years, but I don't think they'll turn the corner all the way this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think that the Big 12 is going to come down to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and uh, I think whoever wins that conference should be in the college football playoff. Well, unless they, you know, unless they slip up along the way and drop a game, you know, it's going to be tough for a a one loss or you know two loss Big Twelve team to get in there. But you know, if well, they have that they have the conference championship game now to kind of cover up some of that, so I, that I, mess that they've had the past couple of do years. They have divisions. Like I feel like I should know this. Like, can Oklahoma State? No, in Oklahoma? I don't think they. I I believe they're just taking the top two teams and let them play because they haven't added it. So I don't think they've split into divisions. Okay, so uh, there you go. It's one division. It's ten teams. Uh, yep, it's it's every, everybody plays each other, and the best two teams at the end of the year play each other again. So Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to play twice, is what 
<laughs> essentially. Yeah, what... it's, it's what it's sounding like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it could it could be one of those situations where they all kind of beat each other, you know, like uh, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, but then Texas beats Oklahoma State and West Virginia. You know, they all have one loss, but it's to a variety of teams, and yeah. you know, it could could get interesting out yeah, there they, in the Big they Ten. Gotta... They gotta hope they don't cannibalize each other, and then Oklahoma's got a big road test against Ohio State week two. Do you have a dark horse team? You know, I think when we talk about the top of the Big Twelve, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Texas. If you had to say, you know, one of the other six teams in this conference, you know, is a is the this potential sleeper. Do you feel good enough about any of the other teams to say that they're in the mix? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I will. I will say Kansas State has a lot of experience back. And they're always a well-coached football team. Yeah, they're going to play the right way. Yeah. So, they're not yeah. going to beat so, themselves. You know, I might give them a nod for like nine or ten wins if they catch lightning in a bottle, but I don't think they're going to run the table in the Big yeah. 12. By Baylor, Baylor is a mess. Yeah, TCU yeah. just doesn't have a lot of talent right now. Uh, Texas Tech, I mean, we'll see what they can – You know, obviously they can't recruit players that hold opponents under 30 points a game, and losing Patrick Mahomes is a big deal, and – you know, Iowa State and Kansas, those are teams that, you know, really kind of the bottom feeders and, you know, you don't really see the hope there. So, yeah, I think this is kind of a four, a four team race, but really kind of a two team race. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, that is going to do it for us today here on The Draft Dudes. Thank you guys so much for starting your week off with us. We greatly appreciate the continued listenership and support. Uh, if you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think. You can uh, give us a review on iTunes, preferably one of the five-star variety. Uh, tell us what you would like to hear us talk about in season. You know, we, we definitely thrive and appreciate that feedback from you guys. Uh, you, know, you, you can also follow along on social media and, and at NDTScouting.com and at FanRagSports.com and keep up with uh, everything that Joe and I and the NDT Scouting staff are doing. Uh, we're really plugging away to try and get everybody ready for the season we're working on a uh, a finalized list of 155 senior assessments between myself joe and and national scout john ledyard the entire team is working on a power five uh encyclopedia of notable draft prospects for every single um power five conference team uh roger dixon has hammered through the sec which is really cool to read through because he has unique insight as a two-year player with the university of florida he knows all those guys inside and out i've you know worked through the the acsc as well we're working on the big 10 and the uh pac 12 right now kind of systemically working our way through always fresh stuff to read over at the site we highly encourage you guys swing over and check it out I'm Kyle Krabs, signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We will be back on Wednesday to talk about either the Pac-12, speaking of the Pac-12, or the remaining Power 5 conference that needs to be discussed about the Powerhouse SEC. Joe, I feel like that might be a super show. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I mean, yeah, that's going to be a big one. <laughs> so much talent in that conference, just like the ACC. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll save for less. Make you guys sweat. You guys have to come back on Wednesday and check it out and uh, f- just find out to be sure. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back on Wednesday with another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.